Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome back to this week's episode of Fresh Take with Joey and Ranveer. I'm Ranveer. And I'm Joey. And I wanted to apologize for last week. If you got a random ad for like a diabetes thing, <laughs> we didn't set that. We're not getting the money from that. So uh, kind of weird, but you know, we're just going with the flow over here. So we're going to try and figure that out and, you know, possibly get that out of the way. But because that was jarring. I went to listen to the episode and I was like, wait a minute, I control the ads and we don't have any. So yeah, uh, we don't have a sponsor, and uh, but that was pretty cool that we got one out of the random. <laughs> yeah. So if we ever get the money from that, we'll tell you. But we apologize for not dropping an, uh, an episode last week. We were snowed in. Ranveer was actually on his way over to the recording to the lab, um, as we call it. As we call it, when it dropped like eight to ten inches on us. Um, and so we're sorry for not putting out an episode last week. But yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, Joey and I were planning on doing it literally as it was snowing. And then I was like, Joey, I'll be over there in an hour because I just come done playing basketball with my friends. And suddenly uh, the snow just got heavier and heavier and heavier. And I texted Joey and I was like, yeah, I don't think uh, it's safe for us to do this today. Because previously I almost died going down Joey's like where he lives in his apartment complex. There's a little hill. And, uh, there, it had snowed here and it was icy out and I went to come pick some friends up from Joey's house and, uh, I tried to stop and I couldn't stop down this little hill. And then there was an oncoming pizza driver that luckily swerved out of the way and, uh, saved the day. But, you know, we just wanted to be safe, uh, because, you know, I enjoy being alive. Yeah. Uh, and what a way to go out being killed by a pizza delivery driver. That would It'd be, be the most college way to go yeah, out. It would be. I don't think, well, there's a lot more college ways, but it is the most college way. <laughs> um, but also, we wanted to talk about uh, briefly what was going on in, in Texas. Um, as you guys may know, uh, massive power outages. Um, people's fans were literally covered in ice, and people don't have power. They can't, like cook their own food they don't have heat and like the conditions there are almost like a third world country right now yeah and one of the big problems we're seeing is that the electrical companies are now taking advantage of this moment and shooting up their prices tenfold twentyfold to try and reestablish their uh, power grids but also to take advantage of a lot of these devastated families so what's going on right now in the legislature is they're trying to enact bills to get that money back to the people um, who have been price gouged. I don't know how well that's doing, but they're in some, some trouble down in Texas. Hopefully, now that it's getting hotter, they'll, it'll thaw stuff back out. But um, if we've ever seen a more 
diverse series of weather events in a week span. I don't think I've been aligned for it. Yeah, I agree. And what was interesting to me was the fact that, you know, Texas didn't have the infrastructure to support their citizens through this. I mean, this is the first time realistically they've ever had to deal with something like this, but you would have thought that, you know, in the back of their minds, there had to be some sort of idea that maybe one day, you know, we may get five inches of snow. Yeah. Maybe we should, you know, have an emergency plan for that. And uh, it just didn't work out in their favor. And Ted Cruz decided, you know, during this, it was best to pack up and go to Mexico for a vacation. And I think that really <laughs> speaks on his character. Yeah, well, the one man that I, the only money I've ever sent to a political campaign, I've said this once, I'll say it again, Beto O'Rourke, baby, that $15 I gave him, Woo! I know that energized him because he's out there working right now. He has been calling people, letting them know how they can um, get back their power and reestablish, you know, living a normal life again. Um, and I think that's really awesome. And I think, you know, if Ted Cruz really cared, he would have stayed and gone through it just like his voters, the people that vote for him are, you know, because you're supposed to be a representative of your area. And when you leave your your territory almost in a in a disarray it's your responsibility to bring them back and he didn't do that so beto stepped in shout out to him shout out to uh james harden raised money i mean even though he got traded from houston he still says you know he really cares about that place and i think um you know jj watt also of course never stops raising money for his uh for houston and I think, you know, that really speaks to their character because they're doing more than the guy that was elected to do stuff for their uh, for their area. And, yeah. you a, know, a spot of indie pride to the center for the Pacers, Miles Turner. I yes. think he raised almost one hundred thousand dollars. It all started with a, a Venmo request from someone because he had a bad game. And I believe the dude had money on him. So uh, he requested that money from him. And Miles turned that into a whole uh, campaign to raise money. And, you know. That's awesome. I, it's awesome that people can come together and we, you know, we preach it. Miles Turner has no idea what those people are going through in Texas, but, you know, empathy is really important. And we see that um, come showing its true light in this in this moment now. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about um, when Emily was on the podcast, we talked a lot about gun control and Indiana recently um, voted that bill that we talked about, about um, not having to carry a license while you or not having to carry your license while you have your handgun and uh you know just the shout out to our past episode and also you know the work that moms demand action are doing the work isn't done we have to continue to fight um because you know i guess fight's not the right word you have to continue to push for justice mm-hmm. um and you know and they while also voting that bill into play uh they also voted to defund the police which you know with people not having to carry licensing with their handguns makes it more dangerous for the police because, you know, they don't, they don't know. And, um, I, I just believe in general, uh, rep Jim Lucas, if you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> you, th- this law is endangering a lot of people. And if you believe this law is correct, I mean, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And, um, yeah. yeah come I, on the podcast jim lucas please I, i'd love to have a conversation with you rep jim lucas about, i know i made some disparaging comments about you in our episode but i'd love to chat and just get into the psyche of this this human being 
it's very interesting that the way this came to surface. And if you don't know exactly what Bill we're talking about, uh, go back and listen to Demand Action with Emily Cole. Um, that's in season two. And this also puts into danger the surrounding cities that we also talked about in that podcast, like Chicago, where if we loosen our gun constriction, gun restrictions, it makes it easier for people to obtain guns from Indiana, take them to Chicago, and you know do all these uh, dangerous and illegal and and you know harmful things that they do. So it's important that we put gun legislation at, at one of our forefronts because it people are dying and. Uh, people's lives are not worth the NRA donation that you may get. Um, I'm speaking directly to you, Mr. Jim Lucas, because that is an abomination to to people's lives. Also, uh, how good of a donation is that? Because Ted Cruz has a pretty good rating from the NRA, and I saw that he was uh, flying southwest to Cancun. <laughs> so if he was getting a lot of money from the NRA, I figured he might bump it up. I don't know what's what's a higher class airline something like charter your own maybe that's how you maybe a private jet yeah well i saw some stuff that was like he should be able to afford it so what is what is what are people hiding you know it felt like a distractionary thing we'll never know but uh yeah the nra can't donation can't be that much if he's on the choose your own seat (laughs) airline Uh, all right so that's what's been going on uh the past couple weeks we also wanted to talk about because it's february yes sir february is black history month so Ranveer and I wanted to highlight some of the lesser-known uh, African-American heroes of American history because I want to know more about it, and I'm sure a lot of people want to know more about it because when we're in school, um, we kind of get we get George Washington Carver, who invented peanut butter, and then there's about eight years where we don't learn about another African-American you learn, historical figure. You learn a little bit about Madam C.J. Walker in fourth grade. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, and I mean... We don't speak – history is very whitewashed, I'll say it bluntly. I oh, mean, yeah. uh, we – like some of these people that we're about to talk about today, I heard of for the first time ever. And that's that's honestly amazing to me because um, when, when you're in school learning about history, I expected to learn everything, you know. Not even – not just in high school but in, in college uh, – highlighting people that look like me that have done fantastic things for this world. So I want to talk a little bit about Black History Month, the history behind it, before we you know really get into the people. So is the, the story of Black History Month started as far as 1915, a half a century after the 13th Amendment abolished slavery. A man by the name of Carter G. Woodson, a Harvard-trained historian, founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. This organization was dedicated to researching and promoting achievements by black Americans and other people of African descent. This group today is known as the Association for Study of African Life and History. The group sponsored a National Negro History Week in 1926, choosing the second week of February to coincide with the birthdays of Abe Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Later, this event was sponsored by schools, communities, nationwide to organize local celebrations. So I want to break the misconception that... um, Black History Month is in February because it's the shortest month. Uh, no, it's in February to coincide with uh, Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass's birthday because it originally began as a week and later transitioned into a month. So, yeah, Black History Month is in the shortest month, but we 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 have <laughs> some very important figures that were born in this month that you know need to be commemorated along with 
the um, African American figures. So yeah, that's a common joke too. Yeah, is like by people trying to downplay it. It's mm-hmm. like, well, if it's so important, why did why is it given mm-hmm. the shortest month? So yeah. that's why. And it wasn't overtly to give uh, Black Americans just a, the shortest month, the twenty eight days. It was it's there for a reason. There's a purpose. It's also a good reminder starting pretty much every single year. Pretty much every single year. It's not like February moved. Uh, starting every year <laughs> uh, is a good reminder of uh, Black History Month and to remind us that history is very whitewashed and it misses a lot of um, prominent figures that I think we should be taught about, we should know about, we should learn about without having to go out and uh, do the the extra research ourselves. It should be something presented alongside uh, the, the history that we were taught growing up. Yes, for so. sure. I totally agree. And that brings us into our first person, who's Shirley Chisholm. During the 60s, she became the first black woman elected to Congress. She's famous for her campaign slogan, unbought and unbossed. And uh, Kamala paid tribute to uh, uh, Rep uh, Chisholm very closely during her campaign because uh, she she kind of used the same wording and, you know, constantly paid tribute to obviously one of the first or the first uh, black woman elected to Congress. Yeah, that's the first time that I'd heard of Representative Chisholm was through uh, Kamala's yeah. tributes. So she did a great job in, in kind of raising that up. Um, but to have the first black woman elected to Congress in the 1960s may sound like it's super late, but that was, if you look at it in context, that's only about 30 to 40 years after women could vote in the first place. And, and certainly black women are one of the most disenfranchised groups in America. Um, so in the 60s, her being breaking that glass ceiling was actually pretty early within her limits to break that ceiling. Yes. So I mean, the fact that she, she got elected in New York, which is one of the more democratic regions in America. But, you know, even back then, um, being a, a representative of your area and being African-American and woman, that is a lot of glass ceilings to break. And, yeah. you know, congratulations to her. And, you know, the fact that, again, we're going to po- I'm going to point this out multiple times is the fact that we don't learn about them in school is amazing to me. Next, we'll go to Byron Rustin who organized and strategized the March on Washington, but he was like, he was kind of a man in the shadows. Uh, he was a, he was a gay man and was considered a too much of a liability to be on the front lines, but he was considered one of the most brilliant minds of the movement and fought for more jobs and better wages. Um, he worked really closely with MLK and uh, obviously he, he wasn't able to, to go in and be on the front lines because I mean, he had, uh, back then, I mean, it was very different of how they treated uh, gay people, and uh, sadly, Byron couldn't be on the front lines and be recognized like he should have, but he did a lot, and uh, he deserves to be recognized in this month. Yeah, and this was before the Stonewall riot, which really gave more of a national precedence towards uh, gay men and women. Um, so this was back when it was basically you, you tie your ankle to a concrete block if you came out publicly as a, as a gay man or woman. And because he was such a brilliant man, they still needed to use him in, in, a, in such a way that he was meant to be used, which was his brilliant mind. But he was obviously so pulled back that it was tough for him to get the recognition that he so rightly deserved in the moment. But um, I'm glad that he, he was, there was a record kept of him to where we could teach about him uh, to the next generations because that's such a tough position to be in 
And next we'll go to Claudette Coughlin, who, um, if you've ever heard of Rosa Parks, she did what she did before. She did what Rosa Parks did prior. Uh, she was 15 years old and, uh, she didn't want to move from the middle to the back. And later she was subsequently arrested and she was the first black woman to be detained or she was the first woman to ever be detained for resistance. Um, and you know, this was 10 years before Rosa Parks and she, um, she was a young lady that really stepped up to the plate and began the journey of, you know, began her journey of civil rights. Yeah. And the tough thing for her, I think was because she was only 15, it's hard to put a movement on her back. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it was kinder to her overall to not launch her into position that Rosa Parks had, but she was the first and to do it alone without any organization or real movement behind you must have been one of the scariest things in the world. So she had a lot of courage, a lot of bravery to be able to do that without having the, the backing of a nationwide movement. Uh, next, we'll go into Annie Lee Cooper. Uh, if you ever watched Selma, you know who she is or, you know, at least a little bit about her. Uh, she played a key role in the 1965 Selma voting rights movement. And it wasn't until the movie Selma that people really uh, noticed her activism. And um, she played a key role in not only women's rights, but also African-American and black rights and people of color. Uh, she, well, she's kind of, a, she's a badass. An interesting fact about her is she's also known for punching the Alabama sheriff, Jim Clark in the face. And um, I just think that's badass because for a black woman in that time to, to punch a, a sheriff uh, is a big deal. And yeah, I, that's hard as hell. Yeah, that's tough. And I think she's cool as hell for that. That's what I like about a lot of historical uh, media. So movies, TV shows, and like biopics, stuff like that, is it sheds a lot of light on figures that we don't normally talk about. Um, I wish, obviously, there was more. But I'm, just, I'm glad that her spotlight within that movie uh, brought her more towards the this cultural zeitgeist, if you will. Yeah. Because uh, she was a badass. And I mean, she was played by Oprah, who was a, another badass. But we love Oprah here. I love Oprah. I love Oprah. And Drake and Josh love Oprah. So. Josh loves Oprah, but he hit her with his car. Yeah, that was messed up. That was a messed up episode. That's weird that they put that out for a kid's episode. <laughs> Running over your idol. Running over Oprah. That was a traumatizing thing for me. Because at that point, I barely knew who Oprah was. She was just like... The daytime. It was the rise yeah. of Oprah. Yeah, facts. It's like what the parents watched. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, next, we'll go into Dorothy Height, who she's also known as a godmother of the women's movement. Uh, she used her background in education and social work to advance women's rights. She was also a leader in the Young Women's Christian Association and the president of the National Council of Negro Women for more than 40 years. Um, she um, was a leader in a time where women black women really needed a leader and uh she spent 40 years doing her thing uh, fighting for equal rights and she was one of the few women present during dr king's i have a dream speech so dr king was even able to recognize her work and invite her to the speech uh which is a big deal yeah i think the thing that we're going to see um as we go through the annals of, of these incredible men and women is that unfortunately for the black women it was a lot of fighting for a long, long time without much recognition. Um, but to be recognized by Dr. King and and have a seat for the I Have a Dream speech shows, I think, just how tough she was, how much of a fighter she was, and how influential she was. Um, not only the women's movement, 
um, but also the movement to get equal rights for everyone across the board. And Robert Abbott is a big deal, who is our next guy, because he was the first African-American to ever get into press. Uh, he started a ba- black publication known as the Chicago Defender, which is now responsible for eb- uh, other black magazines known as Ebony Essence and Black Enterprise and Upscale. Uh, so he started with, as just like a four-page pamphlet, and his, or his um, publication was the reason that a lot of African-Americans migrated from the South to the North for better economic opportunities. Yeah, so for about 40 to 50 years after the Civil War was over, 90% of the black population in America still lived in the South because they didn't know what was to the North. Um, there was a lot of fear behind that. So through those pamphlets, he was able to spread information about better opportunities um, for black individuals if they just were able to cross that border um, up to the north they would find themselves with not great opportunities not exactly what you'd expect uh, for white individuals but better opportunities and i'd say a more safe social standing than what was being experienced in the south and so without um mr abbott's pamphlets uh, i think that population probably would have remained the same for a very very long time yeah which is why he's so important because getting that information to people who don't or might not have access to it is important and uh, the fact that he was able to start that trend for uh, african americans to move up north was was really important and it really uh, started the the economic boom that we saw uh, later in the century Uh, Alice Coachman is next, and she is a very interesting person because she grew up in Georgia, and uh, Alice had to make her way with with dirt roads and makeshift hurdles. I mean, she had to make her own thing. She couldn't compete in school because she wasn't allowed to, but later she would become the first black woman to ever win an Olympic gold medal ever in 1948. And the reason that is so important is because – it's it's it spreads the belief that you know a woman a black woman can do it and now that she has now that she broke that glass ceiling now we have uh, amazing athletes like Simone Biles and um who are able to put their talent uh on on TV and people see how amazing they are and now they have you know these amazing opportunities and it all started because of Alice Coachman yeah, uh, when you have enough hard work and talent, it, it's very, very hard to ignore, but oftentimes it still is. Um, but I think what Alice Coachman showed was that if you put in that work, that grit, that determination, and you believe in yourself first and foremost before anyone else, it doesn't even matter if someone tells you no, because you're already onto that next person. Um, so she, I think, is someone that I would have really benefited from learning from just to see kind of what determination and grit can, can really make for a person. Yes. And next, speaking of determination and grit, we'll go into Gordon Parks, who was the first African-American on staff of Life magazine. Uh, He'd later be responsible for some of the most beautiful imagery in Vogue and also became the first black director of a major film, Shaft. Again, breaking breaking glass barriers is so important because it shows that, you know, you people that look like you can do it. And the reason I one of the reasons I included uh, Mr. Parks in this is because I saw this really amazing quote from him. I saw that the camera could be a weapon against all sorts of social wrongs. I knew at that point I had to have a camera. And it is. Uh, the camera is an incredible weapon because uh, I think it's the Washington Post whose adage is democracy dies in darkness. Mm-hmm. I think that also 
um, without the light being shed, which oftentimes, unfortunately, you only really get accountability if somebody's there with a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, that can drive out a lot of the darkness as well. So I, do, I, I think that's a fantastic quote. That really. Yeah, he he was an amazing mind, and he he began the the thought. He began what Mister Abbott's really started, and he you know kept he kept it going. He kept the momentum going and, you know, really opened doors for a lot of people. Uh, next, I want to dive into Ruby Bridges. Uh, mm-hmm. you, we kind of learned yeah. about her, uh, but she, uh, <laughs> she, I could have a whole class about Ruby Bridges because of how bold the act that she did was. This was in the 60s. A six-year-old girl was the first African-American student to attend William France Elementary. Yeah, this was like the picture that is so viscerally available to me when I hear her name is the picture of her being escorted in by, I want to say six to 10 national guard members while people are on either side of her hurling. What is obviously insults. Nobody has like that evil of a look on their face and they're saying, Hey, have fun at school. Nobody like they're saying some evil, evil stuff to a six year old girl who clearly doesn't fully comprehend what she's doing there. Why she got taken away from her old school. She just wants to go to school. She just wants to go to school. Um, but to be six years old and to do that is incredible. And I feel like we never learned about her as a person. Um, we always learned about the outside factors that were pushing against her, mm-hmm. which are, of course, very, very important. But I would have loved to hear a bit more about her. Yeah, this was at the height of desegregation. And uh, this was, you know, when the government was trying to attempt to to make everything integrated. And there was a huge pushback from society uh especially white people in America that, you know, didn't want to be desegregated. They, they wanted, they liked the segregation. They wanted to have separate schools because they believed that, you know, black people were inferior. And the fact that Ruby was able to break that glass ceiling again for, for people like me that go to school with people like you. Right. I mean, she's now the chair of the Ruby Bridges foundation, which was formed to promote values of intolerance, respect and appreciation of all differences. And I think that's the epitome of her journey, right? Is, is, is that is her mission is to, that is to promote values of intolerance, respect and appreciation of all differences. I think that sums up her journey pretty well. I agree. And I think it's good that she was able to stay in a position where she was in control of her own destiny, because I know at six years old, she was thrust to the precipice of like a nationwide movement that was burning for 200 years and to be able to land on her feet as she did. And to be able to have the real resurgence and the, the, the power within her to continue fighting uh, shows a lot about who she is as a person. And I mean, it shouldn't have to be her lifelong goal to fight for equality and it shouldn't have to be her lifelong journey to continue fighting for that equality but i'm glad that she was strong enough and willing enough to accept that responsibility yep and next we'll dive into someone who's you know really in the background as well with ella baker uh she was essential during the civil rights movement as she was a field secretary and a branch director for the naacp she also co-founded an organization that raised money to fight jim crow laws additionally she was a key organizer for mlk's southern christian leadership conference and and that's not even it her biggest contribution was to the movement of the Student Nonviolent Coordination Committee, which, I mean, in that time is very important. Getting yeah. young people involved in in a movement, you know, not only keep starts the movement, but it also keeps it going. 
Because if you get people that are, you know, college-aged and you start them on the path of righteousness at, you know, the age of high school or college, then they become lifelong advocates. And that's important for, you know, issues yeah. like this. Well, the Student Nonviolent Coordination Committee, um, they really were formed around the sit-ins of most restaurants um, when that was like one of the priorities was trying to integrate restaurants and stop forcing black men and women to either not be able to enter or have to sit in a separate uh, area um, to be served. And then they also were key in organizing the, the Freedom Rides in the 1961. And then that in turn changed into um, registering black voters. So the student nonviolent coordination committee was very, very busy during the civil rights unit. And um, Ella Baker was a key part in that organization. And, you know, guys, these aren't, this isn't everyone. Uh, this is just highlighting some people that, you know, we don't really talk about. Uh, we could talk about Thurgood Marshall, again, Madam C.J. Walker, who, you know, are very important figures as well. But we just wanted to highlight, you know, a couple of them that, you know, you guys may not have ever heard about. Yeah. And learning more about more African-American leaders in our history does not take away from the ones we already know about. I feel like that's something that it's not like when we learn about Francis Scott Key, we forget about George Washington. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone has an equal part to play in history and everyone has their own story to tell. And I don't think there's anything that detracts from our learning if we learn about a broader scope of black Americans that made a yes. gigantic impact. I agree. I agree totally. And uh, I think that sums us up pretty good for this week. Yeah. And remember what Ranveer said, this is only the tip of the iceberg Yeah, um, for Black History Month. So if we... If you heard anyone that you want to learn more about, I encourage you to research. If you have any suggestions, we can talk about um, a few members uh, or a few um, black leaders next week that we missed that you think we should talk about. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Fresh Take uh, W R what W R J Fresh Take W R J Fresh Take W R J, um, and you can shout us out and tell us to cover some um, black leaders that we missed. Yeah. Because I, I think it's important that we learn about those that history has not been kind enough to teach us just yet. Yes. And guys, remember to stay masked up. No, why don't you stay beautiful? See you next week. Bye-bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.